0: Finally, it's happened, as I keep repeating, shows I don't try to hide my um, history, Um, I never thought it would happen, Um, I was never convinced that Cameron would lose the referendum, if he did by some chance lose the referendum, I always thought it was, uh, even before the word Brinno was invented, I thought that either Parliament would stymie it or they end up with a deal that's a Brinno. As it seems to be turning out, and of course we don't know, uh, but what uh, the Johnson government seems to be indicating, and you get different messages from different ministers on different days, so hey, uh, but what seems to be um, panning out is um, some sort of... um, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but hard, hard Brexit. Um, we've certainly got a situation of where the British side is playing, um, <coughs> excuse me, hard in terms of uh, negotiations. Um, so we're told that the trade talks can. Um, be done and uh, Britain can get its uh, um, preferred um, agree- you know, agreement uh, by 2021, that's the, the, the timetable that they've set themselves we hear much talk about Canada on this side of the English Channel and on the other side of the English Channel uh, you get chuckles um, in terms of that basically the idea is Uh, from a European point of view, you must be joking. Canada is a long way away, right? Um, Having um, uh, Britain with a Canada deal, I don't know how many miles it is across the channel, but you get the idea, is not something that the EU is particularly enthusiastic on. So we look like we're going towards... Something that Boris Johnson always denied. Not frictionless uh, trade, but frictional uh, trade. And that, of course, will also affect um, Northern Ireland. So there will be a frictional trade between Northern Ireland and Britain and frictional trade between the continent of Europe uh, and Britain. As far as I can see it, the British car industry has always had you know, a question mark over it once the EU did a deal with Japan, they have free movement of uh, uh, cars now, and um, in a situation of where the car industry is going, I think, going over to electronic um, engines, uh, and uh, there's a massive consolidation going on um, at a global level. So the reason why... Um, Japanese car industry opened up in Britain, you know, with Thatcher and all the rest of it was not only supine trade unions, it was also frictionless trade, that made sense, get into Europe, that no longer makes sense. So my own take on it, for what it's worth, and I'm not uh, rating my um, powers as uh, powers of prediction, um, uh, is that it's more or less all over for the British car industry. You, you could have even said that uh, without a Brexit vote. So, you know, um, I'm, I don't think I'm saying anything particularly wild there. Um, interestingly, if you read uh, various Tories in terms of their grand strategy, uh, they're talking, at least some of them, uh, about uh, encouraging mm-hmm. the breakup of the EU. Uh, You've got various phrases about liberty and self-determination and uh, Mm -hmm. how we need to wave the banner for areas like Catalonia. Imagine that, the British government becoming a champion of Catalan separatism. Well, when I look at the EU, it's clear that something has to give uh, from their point of view. Um, Here they are, they're a creaking confederation, Uh, there's all sorts of votes that they rely on in terms of consensus and all that sort of stuff Uh, Europe can't do anything decisive Uh, it's paralysed by the fact that it consists of 27 uh, members on the other hand when I look at the United Kingdom uh, you have to say that the word united um, applies less and less so um, all you need to do is scratch your head a little bit uh, and ask what sort of impact a hard Brexit with friction, a frictional border with Britain what impact will that make uh, on the vote for the DUP which sided uh, with Brexit um, what's its electoral base going to make of that? I, I don't know um, on the other hand you've also got shifting uh, demographics in the north all we need to do is look at Scotland. Uh, I can't remember the exact vote, but there were 10 vote, it was to 10 vote majority uh, in Hollywood to go for a second referendum. So I think it, this is just from memory. I think it was a 54 to 64 vote uh, for that. So in, in terms of... Um, well, um, you know, Britain going uh, uh, for Catalonia sort of idea and no doubt Poland Hungary, that sort of type strategy. You have to say that the other side can play that game as well. So you've already heard the remarks. Okay, it's from the former um, um, influential official Donald Tusk, um, you know, about Scotland and, um, you know, how their hearts go out uh, uh, to them. But also what's interesting um, is that um, in the negotiations over trade and, uh, between the EU and Britain, now apparently uh, the EU side is going to start to look sympathetically uh, on uh, Spanish claims to Gibraltar. So again, it, it's, uh, both sides uh, can play that. Just a, a footnote on Scotland. As I read it, and I haven't read it extensively, but Nicola Sturgeon is very determined, she's getting legal opinions, I suppose, as we speak, to stick within the law. Uh, There are voices in Scotland saying, go for a UDI. Uh, There are voices in Scotland saying, well, we voted uh, for a referendum, why don't we just do it? Well, you can't, you can't go for UDI and uh, say that's within the law and you can't go for a referendum uh, and say that's within the law uh, unless the British government uh, accepts it so she's determined not to go down the road of Catalonia and have their own referendum she's determined I presume not to end up in exile somewhere in Brussels um, you know and all that sort of stuff uh, which is causing tensions uh, um, in the SNP now From our um, um, angle, um, Scotland, because there's a national question, ought to have the right uh, to self-determination. If Scotland votes to have a referendum, I wouldn't uh, vote for a referendum, I would just go saying if the Parliament wants uh, uh, independence, vote for it. If you want to vote for independence, vote for the SNP, have it. Uh, What sense that makes, uh, uh, I don't know, I can see why people in Scotland who want uh, independence will say that uh, uh, Brexit has persuaded them, but it does seem economically crazy to me uh, that, you know, having, having UK separated from the EU and then we're talking about frictional trade. For Scotland to do the same thing and have uh, 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 a frictional border with England... And they're talking about having the pound sterling. I mean, economically, that's all I'm talking about. And I'm not saying economics decides it. Economically, it makes no sense. If you're determined to have your national freedom, then okay. But the reality is uh, that whatever the political arrangement is, all countries are dependent on others. And I would actually say that's true of the United States. The United States is the top of the uh, imperial pyramid we've seen over recent weeks recent months basically Donald Trump putting two fingers up to the rest of the world and saying well if you don't like it lump it and the rest of the world not least Europe has had to uh, give way but the further down the pecking order you go the more dependent you are Um, and any idea uh, you know, that Scotland can do what it wants is, is as illusory as the idea that Britain uh, could do what it wanted in the 1950s, right? Try it in the 1950s, and you... I don't know, presume they picked up phones in those days. Eisenhower, whoever it was, would pick up the phone and say, no, you can't. And Britain had to give way to the United States because it was British hegemony that was defeated in World War Two. it was America... Uh, that won, it didn't win in World War I uh, but it did win in World War II Uh, Britain was bankrupt it had to to cede power uh, to the United States and in 1956 basically what that was is any dreams of um, keeping the empire going and even extending the empire which was the idea uh, turned to dust Uh, that's the reality of power uh, and no one can buck it so if we look at uh, before the Union uh, between uh, Britain, I'm talking about the political union between uh, Britain, England and, and Scotland we all know uh, that Scotland was uh, in debt to, the, to the England's enemy, France that, that's how it had to work you have to sell yourself to someone uh, that's just the reality um, of the world so self-determination, yes uh, but self-determination is not uh, uh, the equivalent of freedom Okay, um, yeah, talking about that, did interest me, and I think it was a rock and a hard place. Uh, Boris Johnson not only wants to play hard with Europe, interestingly, when it came to 5G, seemed to be playing that game uh, as well. Going for Hawaii uh, for 5G was a risk. America seems to have backed down on this one, which uh, um, I sort of was going, well, you know what's all you know given Mike Pompeo uh, being over here issuing threats, uh, that seems to have collapsed. Um, now as you'll discover in a few minutes, I'm no expert uh, when it comes to um, new technology. Uh, but as I understand it, 5g, in terms of speed of communication and as a package builds on 4G. You you might turn around and say it's bloody obvious because after 4 comes 5, that's very true. But it's building on the same framework, it's not just a new piece of technology, it's actually adding to. So in terms of uh, the agreement that they've come to, that's the British government, uh, that means they're actually stripping out Chinese technology from the 4G network. Now, I've got a 4G phone. I don't understand how it works other than press uh, the buttons. But they're going to have to strip out some Chinese technology mm-hmm. in terms of masts and uh, transmission and all the rest of it in order to conform with mm-hmm. this 35% uh, uh, limit uh, that they've set themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Why is 5G important? Well, maybe it's been exaggerated, uh, Again, who am I to judge? But this is the basis of the Internet of Everything. So in terms of uh, your phone with your fridge, uh, your you with your car, it can drive itself. Uh, it isn't just about video games and all the rest of it. It's about life as it will be soon in the 21st century. Um, I would have thought... Uh, The MI6 uh, GCHQ has pretty thoroughly investigated the Chinese technology, and if they say it's safe in terms of backdoors and all the rest of it, I guess that that must be the case. On the other hand, if it is possible for someone in Beijing uh, to say, right, switch down, switch Britain off, um, that would be amazing. Um, all I would say about the Americans is this doesn't strike me as them telling the truth of what it's about I don't think this is the truth Uh, i.e. this is about Chinese spying and Chinese uh, officials being able to say close Britain down, switch the electricity off, block all the phones I don't think that's the truth I think that this is big power rivalry that's how I uh, uh, take it and uh, again, I'm not an expert Uh, I've read an article or two that's all, but as I understand it and it it, it, it is quite an amazing thing Mm. if we take 5G as a package uh, China is significantly ahead of the United States and what's called the West it's not that uh, if you take Nokia and Ericsson, who are going to benefit by the way uh, in terms of Britain's uh, 35% Uh, limit in terms of Chinese technology, it would be their technology uh, that's used. It's not that these people don't have 5G technology, what they don't have is an integrated technology and what they have is a far bigger price tag. So the Chinese technology is significantly cheaper and you would have to say significantly better uh, because it comes as part of a package. Where did China get this from? well as I understand it um, back in 1990 I'm just making up this date uh, there's the Chinese market here's, I'm just making this one up as well here's 3G technology you can tell I'm just talking shit here's 3G technology and China very cleverly because it's got the power of the state turns around to all these western companies that want to exploit the Chinese market and say ok you're allowed in but if you come in uh, you've got to hand over the technology. So, you know, it's not, you're just not, not just going to make a profit, we want the know-how, right? Uh, we also have, again, this is beyond my knowledge, a company in Canada which was the world leader in, I think, 5G technology, could have been 4G technology, but it was the world's leader, called Nortel Network. It goes bust. And, of course, what happens in a, you know, neoliberal world? Okay, it goes bust. That's what companies do. Uh, We're not going to save it. It goes bust. And what the Chinese did is bought the know-how. They bought the personnel. uh, uh, They took it. And what you've had since then, I mean, it's an amazing figure, Hawaii Fifteen billion in terms of research and development last year into 5G, 15 billion. That is a huge amount even for you and me. So they're piling in uh, money into research and clearly it's paid off uh, because there you are, China, out ahead in the technology uh, that's going to be the characteristic of at least the first half uh, of the 21st century. Um, So what the United States is clearly uh, wanting to do uh, is to block China um, it, you know it obviously wants its companies uh, to catch up maybe take over uh, that's going to be hard but that's clearly what's going on uh, um, and uh, you know China's not going to stand still so catching up is one thing and we've seen China actually do it uh, but to overtake uh, that takes a, a great deal whether the United States and Trump, will actually be prepared to spend the money. I don't know. Clearly, though, uh, if you take um, uh, the US Defence uh, Department, uh, they certainly have the budget. I don't know what the American budget is, but as a throwaway, just me making it up, they might have a a budget, what, 500 billion uh, to throw around annually? I don't know. Huge amount, anyway. Okay. Just very quickly, having mentioned China segwaying seamlessly into coronavirus um, I hate people telling anecdotes except if it's me telling the anecdotes so forgive me but I was on the bus on Friday and uh, you know, I was sitting there at the back of the bus reading whatever I was reading and there was some young girl coming back from school on the phone to her mum persuading her mum that she's got coronavirus <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I did feel like turning around to us, oh, now you haven't, you stupid, bloody girl. <laughs> of course you haven't. I mean, how many cases are there in Britain? Two, two. up in York. The idea that she's got coronavirus. But this shows you the illogicality. Or maybe she just wanted time off school. I don't <laughs> know. But being isolated for two weeks won't be much fun. <laughs> you know, you can watch t- television for two weeks, but you can't go out. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the point I'm making is that this does bring out the irrationality um, of people. Um, and you have to have a fine balance, I think, between you know, safety and killing this disease off and what's just crazy. So I don't know if you've, anyone here has been walking around London over the last few days, few weeks, but if you go to Chinatown, what you notice straight away is how many people <laughs> wearing masks. I mean, it's at least half... Right? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, apparently it makes no bloody difference whatsoever. Right? The, the key is washing your hands and drying your hands on a clean towel. Right? The other one, if you get it, yes, isolate that person, isolate uh, yourself. I have to say, as I said last week, I'm sure the Chinese authorities have made some mistakes. You know, who wouldn't uh, make mistakes? But it seems to me. Uh, ...that what they're doing is pretty ruthless, which you have to be. You know, shutdown of a city of 11 million people, so you get reports back of it not quite being a ghost town... uh, ...but nevertheless it's a lockdown, borders being closed, airlines not uh, uh, flying there. That's the right thing to do. And uh, as I said last week... Uh, the world, and it was the world, it wasn't just China, the world stopped the spread of the SARS, you know, SARS uh, virus. I think it killed 800 people, but the last incident, incident of it was 2004. You can kill a disease like this by cutting off its la- uh, lines of transmission. If it isn't able to reproduce, if it isn't able to spread, it dies. Right? And, you know, it can kill you, it will still die. So this can be defeated. What you'll have to say, though, is that this is a disease that's characteristic of the modern world. And all we need to do is look at the Chinese Lunar New Year and read descriptions of it. What you've got in China is a nation of long-range migrants. Uh, huge numbers have uh, left the countryside, I don't know what percentage, but, you know, massive, massive uh, percentage in the last 20 or 30 years. It must be the biggest industrialization drive in human history, surely. Uh, and what you've therefore got is loads of workers legally living in the big cities, loads of workers legally living in, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, Runam, except, but also loads living illegally and the problem with people living illegally is that uh, they cannot get education uh, for their children hence the importance in terms of families going back home at the Lunar New Year it's like us going back home for Christmas except this is the time you'll see your parents your aunties and your children right? once a year, uh, Lunar New Year Right, that's the importance it is uh, uh, for Chinese uh, people but the government yeah, clamped down on that so uh, still people moving about but far less and that's what you have to uh, uh, do um, blah 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 yeah all I'd say um, at the end of that is don't panic uh, you know you, you've seen instances in various parts of the world of where people from Vietnam working in shops put signs up saying we aren't Chinese right, you've had demonstrations in uh, South Korea uh, demanding no visitors from China right, well you might as well have no visitors from Britain I mean diseases know no borders and it might originate from somewhere uh, but one has to um, introduce some logic and it really is a health question, leave the health professionals to judge what's safe, what's too high a risk that that would be my approach um uh, anyway okay um having mentioned scotland another seamless um, segue to london i don't know how i managed that one but london good news comrades right sadiq khan as we all know is useless Has he resisted the Tories? No. You know, has he stood up for your democratic rights? No. Has he taken a good position on the anti-Semitism smears? No. What do we need? We need a socialist candidate for mayor, don't we? Mm. And who are we going to have? It has to be a woman. What's her name? Nancy! Nancy Taff, uh, Mayor. I have to say, exactly, that was my response. (laughs) Sorry, I I actually have debated with Nancy uh, Taff, and she explained to me that the organisation she was in, which is called Tusk, (laughs) T-U-S-C, T-U-S-C, yeah. yeah, Tusk. Trade Unionist and Socialist Coalition. Yeah. This, she told me in the middle of a debate, is exactly the same as the Russian Social Democrat Labour Party. Right? Because you all know that the Russian Social Democratic Labour Party had different factions. The big factions were the Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. Quite frankly, I was... Not quite on the floor, laughing at her, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was near enough at that. I mean, what is this woman? Uh, You know, well, I'm I'm speechless. But at least what she's saying is that uh, the 150,000, 153,000 salary, most of it, she'll give to the workers' movement, which I think is a correct thing to do. But yes, you heard it. uh, Tusk never died. Uh, Tusk is alive. Uh, I presume that the Socialist Party will now approach the SWP uh, and say, well, you suspended your membership, not ended it, suspended your membership of Tusk, are you still a lot on for it? Uh, presumably, RMT is still affiliated to it. Uh, they don't have a vote in the Labour Party uh, leadership. Uh, either way, I don't see uh, Tusk having a good and happy or useful life. To me, it's a piece of idiocy, you know. If communists want to stand in elections, in my view, they should stand as communists with their communist programme. Standing on a Labourite platform convinces nobody, pretending that you can replace the Labour Party under present conditions. Um, You know, as I said, I'm somewhat speechless. Australian bushfires, yes, God help us. The Australian Prime Minister saying it's more important to clear the bush uh, in terms of um, suburbs than it is to go in for measures against global warming. You have to say as the fire is approaching you, you can't argue with that. You know, what do you need? Do you need a hose pipe in order to put the fire out or do, or do you need legislation that stops the fire? Well you know under those circumstances you need a hose pipe but the idea that you'd counterpose one against the other, uh, to me is, well, again, the word crazy uh, comes to mind. It was just, just interesting on all of that stuff, by the way, there's a, uh, an interesting article in the Colour Supplement of the Financial Times about Holland, people who are old enough, and I wasn't old enough, but it's, sort of, it's in my sort of folk memory, the floods of 53, I think hundred and something people were killed in Britain, and then thousands of people were killed in Holland, right? the dikes broke how many people have died in floods in Holland since then this is a rhetorical question anyone got any answers no. none, exactly right precaution, prevention uh, that's been their watchword um, so in Australia it should not be one against the other as the Prime Minister's been saying You know, put the fires out uh, kill them off versus legislation uh, th- this is a stupid way uh, of posing uh, it, it, not least as they've given the go-ahead uh, for using coal uh, uh, for power stations, they're opening up the world's biggest coal mine uh, and all the rest of it. And they won an election uh, against all these green namby pambies that live in the cities that want measures taking against it. Um, you know, uh, God help us. Okay. Uh, The other big news, Jared Diamond has read 25 books. Everyone heard? Not Jared Diamond. Jared Kushner. Sorry about that, Jared Diamond. He's most likely written 25 books. Jared Diamond has read 25 books on the Middle East. Kushner. Oh, fuck, oh, God's sake. What's wrong with me? Maybe I'm going doodly-daddly. I don't know. Anyway, you get the idea. He's presented his uh, deal of the century. Um, Well, what a deal. This is clearly a a demand for the Palestinians to surrender. Um, No surprise that uh, the Arab League don't go along with it. We know that Saudi Arabia has got to sort of make noises about it. They're not going to do anything about it. Um, but the deal that's being offered is um, unacceptable, isn't it? Because any leader who accepted that deal is no longer a leader. I mean, it, it is just, well, we, we give in uh, full stop. So what's it consist of? Well, to use the word bantustan, um I think, is an exaggeration. Uh, what you're talking about it isn't even reservations, is it? You're talking about little pockets Uh, that are disconnected Mm -hmm. that's all Um, and then they're talking about digging tunnels and having dual motorways and stuff like that which of course will not ever be built so no cost uh, there but clearly um, uh, under these circumstances if a two state solution was ever possible and uh, I don't think it is uh, uh, under capitalism Uh, clearly it ain't now Uh, anyone who talks about that now it's laughable uh, isn't it? I mean you know uh, clearly an absurdity. On the other hand I would also say that talk of a one state solution is equally absurd because all you need to do at least in my opinion is say okay one state solution who imposes it because what we're moving towards anyway is a one state solution (coughs) but it's a Zionist a solution Uh, Israel is the quote unquote nation state of the Jews that means the Palestinians uh, and Arabs living in Israel or greater Israel or whatever you want to call it are second class citizens or not citizens at all right Uh, a one state solution will be greater uh, Israel that's clearly what's going to happen presuming that Trump gets re-elected this November this will be the triumph of his uh, presidency uh, in terms of international uh, um, um, politics maybe it will have to be uh, carried out simultaneously with a war in order to expel the Palestinians I don't know but this will be the triumph of his uh, presidency when it comes to foreign uh, policy ok so I read in socialist worker uh, that you need a one state solution I come back to the question of how How are you going to get your one-state solution? Are the Palestinians whose only weapon really is throwing stones and giving up their own lives? Are they able to impose their will on Israel as it is aligned uh, with the United States? I don't see how. And that's why, uh, if you take our approach... It's been an all-Arab approach, and it's also been a working-class approach. The working class needs to take the lead. Again, I'm not saying that this is easy because you look around the Middle East and you say, "The working class, where?" Well, you can see workers. <clears throat> Where's the working-class movement? I mean, Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Iran—you name it. No, I'd like to sit Turkey now. Where's the workers' movement? Okay, this is me reading further in Socialist Worker. Um, I never knew about this story. This is a Daily Mail story. Salma Hamid. Anyone heard of her? No. Of course you haven't. I haven't either. She was a worker uh, for Jess Phillips. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There she is. She's working in Jess Phillips' um, you know, office. Uh, but she's clearly got a brain. But has clearly never had a conversation um, uh, with Jess Phillips. So. Salma Hamid and Jess Phillips might work in the same office space but clearly they've never sat down and had a heart-to-heart uh, because Salma Hamid has got some sort of um, um, ideas and she's presumably, and this is me just making it up looking at pictures of Israeli soldiers shooting down with sharpshoopers, sh- sharpshoopers uh, Palestinian demonstrators journalists, or there's a journalist bang, I got one, hey one up for me sort of idea, bang I got his legs there, great stuff Right, and she's turning around and saying on her tweet or whatever it is, we've got to persuade people that Israel is the murderer. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's what a terrible thing to say. Um, I mean, there you are, two thousand people. <laughs> in. I mean, what a terrible, terrible <laughs> thing to say. She also said um, that uh, Israel is preparing Holocaust conditions. Yeah. I, I have to say, well, exa- I mean, seriously, <laughs> when you look at the solution that uh, uh, Gerard Kushner. Got it right this time. Jared Kushner is preparing. What else can you describe it as? I'm not saying they are going to do that. But clearly we're talking about ethnic cleansing. And if ethnic cleansing don't work, what is the solution to these people? Because colonial, c- colonial projects come in two types. We're going to take over your country and we're going to turn you into slaves. That's one version of it. The other version is we're going to go in your country and we're going to take over your land. And if you take over people's land, you've got to get rid of the people whose land it is. That is what's happened in every colony of that sort. So Australia, Americas, New Zealand, one can carry on. Australia is a work uh, colony. Not a work colony, an exploitation colony. It could have been a work colony, but they decided to turn it into an exploitation colony so I think that those remarks you know you might want to have a discussion with her I mean I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, privy to her tweets or whatever so I'm just taking those phrases out of context I don't know what else she was arguing but because of those comments what's Jess Phillips done I'll ask you you already know Right. you're out exactly you are out uh, which is exactly what you would expect but what you wouldn't expect is for the writer in Socialist Worker to object to her comments what the writer in the Socialist Worker was saying Holocaust, well no no this is inappropriate there's only been one Holocaust well ok, mm-hmm. burning uh, people in that particular sense absolutely right uh, the uniqueness of uh, the um, Nazi genocide was the industrialisation of uh, killing right? it wasn't just normal killing so about half the deaths of you know, Jews would be carried out in industrial uh, fashion as opposed to just shooting people uh, en masse ok, so according to Socialist Worker uh, no no no, Holocaust means wiping out an entire race and it was unique and I just went, what is this per- who- Charlie Kimber The joint national secretary of the SWP, he's the editor, allowed that to go ahead. I mean, doesn't he know any history? I looked it up. I looked up the word genocide. Now, according to Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. right, the word geno is from Greek, right, and it means people or nation or something along those lines, and side, you all know side, regicide, I like a bit of regicide myself. So, killing of people... Well, anybody who knows about ancient history, there was a famous debate in the Peloponnesian War when the Athenian population, or the male population, voted genocide. They didn't use that word, right? But to genocide a a rebel island. I think it was called Melos. Melos. Melos, right? Kill these people. And I think what happened, Chris will correct me, they sent out the ship to issue those orders, and then they changed their mind. And then they sent out another ship to say, no, it's been cancelled. I don't know what the result was, but that was the vote. You look it up. Okay, this was the famous incident. But the intention was to wipe out every man, woman and children, to show them not to do it again. Now, the norm of empires in those days, if you've got a rebel people, is you kill all the adult men. Right, and then you take the women and children and enslave them because men are. That's what they. That's what, that's what you know. Whatever. Doing. This was the norm uh, for for big empires, right? Okay. Anyway, I looked up the word genocide. That's the, the how the word was put together. Who invented it? It was a guy called Raphael Lemkin. Who's Raphael Lemkin? He was a, a Polish Jew, uh, and he made up this word because of what the Nazis did in Poland, what they did to Jews, what they did to Russians. Um, so killing of a people Hitler wanted to turn the Russians into a slave people, he wanted to wipe out all the intellectuals uh, in Poland and turn them into a a slave uh, people Okay, what inspired him uh, to come up with this word though well this will hopefully help socialist workers it was the genocide of the Armenian people carried out in 1915 to 17 so if you look at uh, the Turk- Turks, was it, or the, it would be the Ottomans, would it? was it? the young Turks. Young Turks. They took the Armenian population and marched them into a desert, basically. You fend for yourself, right? Millions uh, uh, die. We don't know how many, uh, but, yeah. <clears throat> the wiping out of uh, people, the intention uh, to wipe out of people. That's what inspired him. Uh, you know, that's what informed him uh, historically okay in terms of my own little take on this uh, I'd also advise uh, Charlie Charlie Kimball as I call him uh, to look at the Bible because if one wants to look at the Bible look at God's commandment to what he called or they called uh, the um, Israelites uh, vis-a-vis the Canaanites kill every man, woman and children do not leave an ass a camel, or a sheep, alive, right? That was God's instruction. And I think the king of um, um, Israel, didn't he, Saul, famously violated that, and he said, well, surely we can keep the asses and the the donkeys, and we don't need to kill them, do we? God got rid of him as king and put David in, right, right? Uh, because of that. Right, so not only every man it's all bollocks by the way historically. I mean, it, well I, well, you laugh but you know, obviously genocides weren't that's what I'm saying no, but the genocide by these people uh, is clearly ahistorical and uh, it's a piece of myth making uh, uh, nothing else but nonetheless uh, there it is in the Old Testament uh, the advocacy uh, of genocide again when I, when I look at the Socialist Workers' Party, I go, well, these, these comrades are really bending over to become respectable. Mm-hmm. And so what we've got is a demonstration which will have stand up against racism. Who's in favour of racism in Britain now? I mean, seriously. I mean, is Britain first? Does it actually declare itself? We are racist and we're proud. They usually say we're white and we're proud. You know, racism is a bad thing. You were telling me earlier, some TV presenter guy... Something Stewart or something like that? Alastair Stewart. Alastair Stewart. Never heard of him myself, but there we are. He's been sacked for quoting Shakespeare or whatever. Now, anyway, my main point is that the SWP wants to be respectable. And as a re- result of that, they bend over backwards towards respectability. Now, you've all s- you know, seen the story about Tower Hamlets yeah. and Glenn Secker and him not being allowed to speak... Why? Because the Board of Jewish Deputies objected. Well, who the fuck are the British Board of Deputies to tell us, on the left, who we have as a speaker? Is Glynn a racist? No. You know, well, it's, it's an absurdity. And I mean, I would, if, I, if I wanted to get into argument with him, I might accuse him of being a Bundist and an opportunist. <laughs> no, seriously. I've got political differences with him. But is he objectionable on some sort of... Mo- of course not. I want to have a debate with this guy. I want to listen... Uh, to this guy. But what about the Board of British Deputies? What's their ideology? Well their their ideology today not a hundred years ago, right, but today is Zionism. What's the Zionist project? And if anyone tells me Zionism isn't a racist project, well I don't know what racism uh, uh, is. No seriously, I mean what is it? It's a racist project to get rid of the natives out of Palestine Right? and to replace the natives with an exclusive state, a state for Jews, Right, no one else. This would be like, in Britain, saying what we'll have is a state for white Protestants. Why not? Seriously, why not? That's the history. Have a state for white Protestants. Uh, I, I see no difference between that and uh, uh, Zionism and the SWP is placating them under conditions of where a witch hunt has been carried out against the left in the Labour Party and is being used to undermine Jeremy Corbyn which they say is a bad thing that the Labour Party lost the election well sorry comrades, you're actually contributing not in a big way but to that witch hunt if you placate if you appease a witch hunt you actually help it you don't stop it by appeasing you actually encourage them to demand more. And therefore when we come to their you know, board of uh, deputies ten demands, ten commandments mm. I mean, c- you couldn't make it up, could you? Uh, this is just incredible. We demand of a, a, a political party that you hand over cases of discipline and education to an outside body that we approve of. Well, who are these Tory Zionists to approve of the Labour Party? It's an absurdity. No compromise no concessions with these people right lastly a little bit of ABC sorry uh, for some comrades education accumulate for the sake of accumulation production for the sake of production volume 1 Das Kapital chapter 25 it's the conclusion of Marx's analysis of capitalism or capital right Uh, what he does, he begins with commodities he then talks about commodity exchange, he then brings money into the formula, and then he says, well, what about if we put the M at the beginning, then logically you have to have M plus, because what's the point of going to the market to get the same amount of money, so production for the sake of profit but under capitalism what Marx was able to show is that that drive to self-expansion Uh, becomes a thing in itself. In other words, the capitalist is not producing for their need, however perverted and obscene and stupid uh, you might think it is. Anyone who wants to read the Financial Times can look at their how-to-spend-it supplement. I mean, what an obscenity. Got loads of money, this is how you can spend it on stupid, stupid things. Well, that might appear logical to you. So in the ancient world, Marx (laughs) observed... That well, uh, you know, exploitation of the immediate producer has limits, and its limit is avarice, uh, pleasure, and exhaustion in terms of the exploiter. I've had a fucking enough booze. I've had enough sex. I've built enough bloody palaces. I've drunk enough whatever the hell I'm meant to be drink. You know, whatever, whatever. I've had enough. Right? Capitalism knows no limit. That's the point knows no limit in terms of exploitation. There are twenty-four hours in a day and what capital has learned to do right is go in for absolute and relative exploitation. So what we have under capitalism, yes, is production for the sake of production. Not meeting the needs or even lusts or uh, desires uh, of uh, the capitalist. Now it's true that in the Soviet Union you saw the same thing but via different laws. And so what you saw in the Soviet Union was the overarching size of what they they called department A what Marx called in capital volume 2 department 1 so the production of the means of production just carry on <coughs> carry on getting bigger and bigger to the point right of where it becomes self-consuming so uh, everyone know the myth of the ouroboros that uh, ancient snake i think it was a a viking myth that started to eat itself that's what you had in the soviet union you had massive ecological destruction and you had the development of the means of production not to meet the needs of the bureaucracy not to meet the needs uh, of uh, the proletariat or the peasantry but to be consumed in the production of the means of production for the sake of that. And as a result of that, what you saw is massive uh, ecological destruction. One only needs to mention the Ariel Sea, Lake bacal uh, the Caspian Sea, uh, and all the rest of it. Anyway, it's uh, a correct formulation. Okay, that's all. Sorry.